Welcome to Freedom Slay Podcast, where fempreneurs, side hustlers, and entrepreneurs come to fast track their success. If you're a millennial girl boss, listen, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the goods, because every week you're going to get the tools that you need to slay your business goals to create a life of time and financial freedom. I'm Ganette Jones, your host and Freedom Slayer in charge here. Let's begin. Hey, hey, guys. I'm super excited today to share another podcast guest. I love having guests on the show. And I'm introducing you with the writer, traveler, content creator known as Rachel Sodden. He's a master of random jobs, avoider of the nine to five. And in 2010, he actually set off on a trip around the world, hoping to be given a sign of what to do with her life. Anybody else asks for signs of what to do with their life? Let me know. (laughs) And the sign never appeared. It turned out that the entire trip was indeed a sign. So when she returned to her home in Bermuda, she began to write about the country she visited, where she she traveled because she was still obsessed with them and she had run out of people to listen to her drone on about the trip. So she ended up turning her whole lifelong personal challenge of write a book into Runaways, which is her debut novel. She has continued to travel, take tons of beautiful photos and write ever since. So absolutely love Rachel. Rachel, how are you? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So excited to have you. And today, guys, we are going to be talking about getting awesome photos on your social. I remember reading once, Rachel, I think it was in your um, dedication in your book at the very beginning that you said your parents never forced you to get a real job. And I mean, that's great for you because I know so many people were probably like, I wish that was my parents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you think that shaped who you are today? I mean, my parents were always super supportive of whatever crazy idea I got into my head. Uh, and deciding what I wanted to do. You know, once I got my education, they were like, just, you know, go figure yourself out. You've got a degree, you've got educational background, you have that safety net. So I did get like a nine to five for a year and a half after I finished university. uh, And I saved up all that money. And that's what I used to go travel the first time. But I was never, I, I, I was never built. I don't like routine. I always did well in school, but I absolutely hated the, um, the lack of autonomy, I work very well if give me a task and leave it alone, it will get done by the deadline. It might be not how you would do it or when you would do it. I might do it at start at four in the morning, um, but it will get done. Uh, yeah, these- and I think a lot of people listening to this podcast can resonate with that. They don't like to be micromanaged. They feel like they can handle things on their own and they don't like the monotony of a nine to five, which is why most of them tune into this podcast. So that's great. I think it's going to be a great fit with you on here today. So tell me, first of all, because I know people are probably thinking, okay, she takes pretty pictures. So tell me, how do you make money? What do you do to make money as a content creator? Okay. So currently uh, I'm running a couple of vacation rentals. So I've got a big property that I manage and that one I have to go to um, every so often. I've got to go greet guests. It's luxury, but I pretty much do most of it just contacting people. The other one, I don't even have to go to the house. I set up the listings, the welcome book, and you know, I I just collect a percentage of the sales that or the bookings that go through. So I don't even, I could do that anywhere in the world. Even with the house here, I can hire like my brother to go in and do greetings or anything else that needs to 
to be done there. So I'm kind of set myself up in a way that I can take off. Um, mm-hmm. I also do some like freelance writing. Um, I'm pretty much just like, I've always just been an odd jobber. I'm just like, I go from job, like you'll see me throughout the day it. from jobs. You're like, <laughs> weren't you just like somewhere else this morning? I'm like, yep, <laughs> but this is how I make it work. And then that gives me the time to go out and to travel and to take photographs and to kind of do what I want with my days, with most days. That's awesome though. So you've, uh, you've allowed yourself to find little odd jobs, like you said, that give you that freedom, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are looking for, right? That freedom that lets you do the things you absolutely love in your free, your free time. Yes. You know? An IG beautiful photo scenery queen. That's what you are. When I see your page, I'm like, these photos are amazing. So please let me let me know initially, like what prompted you to shift your personal IG page? So your personal Instagram to this beautiful scenic timeline. Right? It's not even a timeline. What would you call that? It's just kind of a curated tropical, my island life. Um, it really started. I mean, I have been doing... I guess modeling for a long time. And I've always loved uh, photography. I've always loved composing photographs. And so years ago, I mean, I've been on Instagram since pretty much it started, but I didn't really do much with it until I went into, I fell into like a really deep funk a few years ago. Uh, I was like not in a good place. And I realized part of why I wasn't in a good place. I didn't have any hobbies. So I just started like trying different things. And I was like, I've always wanted to like seen those Instagram girls. And I was like, you know what, maybe, maybe I could do it. And I met a girl who was living here. And at the time she had 12,000 followers, which to me was just unreal, like unattainable. And we went for coffee and she told me how she did it and she told me how to do it. And then I was like, I could do that. And so it became my creative outlet that I kind of curated in my life. So I just went out, took photos, took all those photos I always wanted to take, learned a bit about editing. And just for me, my Instagram is, I'm not big into influencer marketing. I'm really in it. I want to just create better photos. I want to go out, challenge myself to find those cool spots that nobody knows about, share them with people, put them into my Lightroom, figure out editing, become better at it. I'm Photoshop's my next. I want to start doing um, composite images and those sort of like, I don't know, fantastical images of that are composite of like five different photographs and try and figure that out and have a bit of fun with it. But it's really just a hobby and a creative outlet for me uh, that I really, really needed at the time. And then I never cared about growing. I never cared about my following so much. So I never did the engagement side of things. So when you're growing on Instagram, you need the content and then you need the engagement. You got to do both. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when I realized, I just, for the hell of it, I was like, oh, let me just do the engagement for like one weekend and see what happens. And then I ended up at the end of the weekend with an extra 250 followers, which at the time I had, you know, less than 1500. And I was like, oh, that actually wasn't that difficult. And then it hit me what I could do, how valuable having a following could be. So that's when I started to grow intentionally. And then months after that, I booked a trip to go traveling. And it was all, you know, if I can grow my Instagram to 10,000 followers, I will self-publish the novel that I've been trying to get traditionally published for years. Awesome. And we're going to get to the novel in a short bit, but you said so many things there. And I'm like, oh, ooh, ooh, got a question, got a question. Sorry, I can ramble. <laughs> no, that's amazing. One question that I do have, have, especially, well, first of all, you said that you didn't want to do influencer marketing. So my question is, have you figured out a way um, to monetize the Instagram though, even if it's not influencer marketing per se, any sponsorships or anything like that, it doesn't have to be that. Have you figured out a way to use your Instagram to make 
money? Absolutely. Um, so I was, so I've, when I came back from my trip traveling, I got paid a nice little chunk of change to basically do content, social media content for a hotel here. Uh, and it was like maybe an hour or two out of my time. And I got to take really pretty photos and I gave them all the photographs. They wanted my Instagram photo of me at the hotel to be my first high end back in Bermuda post. Um, so that was sort of my first paying gig. Then I started doing content for a magazine here with the Bermudian. So I was doing like a stylist and the styled photo uh, I put on my Instagram. And then that was kind of like the main image uh, for the article. So I got paid to write the articles and just and to style up my photos. I got some free stuff. Uh, I've been turning down. I do turn down a fair amount of free stuff because again, I don't want to pardon the phrase I'm about to use, but I really don't want to whore out my Instagram or pimp out my Instagram. No, I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I turned down a ton of free stuff, free yeah, stuff as well. I only, want, I only want stuff that I want, that I want in regular life, or it's something that aligns with me, something that's authentic. So I get a lot of bathing suits. I love bathing suits. So I'm super happy. I'll wear those in real life. It's not work. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, you get something, and you know, I don't want to sit there with a box of detox tea, even though you're paying. <laughs> Like, no, that's really not something that is authentic to me nor something that I, I want to push to other people. Um, so I'm, I just try to keep my, my content as authentic and not consumer-based as possible. And I think that's important, ensuring that no matter what it is that you're putting out there, even those of you who are listening to this podcast, what you're putting out there on your social aligns with you, aligns with your brand. Even if it's a store, you don't want to just post any and everything that comes your way if someone's giving it to you or if someone shares something with you in it. You don't necessarily want to clog up your space with it if it isn't in alignment. Another thing you had mentioned, Rachel, and it's going back a little bit just now, where you said over that weekend, you made the 200 followers through engagement. And when you say that, are you referring to just like commenting back? Are you reaching out to people and liking their posts and commenting under their posts? What exactly did you do in that weekend to grow your page by the 200 followers? Yeah, so I went to, I would go to the hashtags that I use a lot. Mm-hmm. And I pretty much just started liking photos that people had posted. Um, it's changed a fair amount, the Instagram algorithm. So it's a lot harder now to do that. It's slowed down a bunch. Um, but back then, you know, I just went through and I just liked, like, like pretty much kept liking until Instagram stopped me. And then I put my phone away. That is hilarious. <laughs> come back a few hours later, do it again, put my phone away, come back a few hours later, do it again. So now it's, you know, you, you really have to be a lot more engaged with so like and comment. Okay, guys. So I'd like to intersect right here really quickly just to say if this is something that you'd do or you like to do or you want to try then please do it with integrity and when I say with integrity what I mean is ensuring that when you're doing something like this it is liking photos that you actually like commenting authentic things not just copying and pasting the same comments right I just want you to interact on social media and be social if that's the case because that's what's going to really help separate you from the pack as a business owner on social is when you're actually being social it's called social media but most people aren't social on it if we're being real right so making sure that you're doing it with integrity so let's get back to it just got to be a bit careful because there are limits as to how much you can do that before instagram puts you in jail and like stop puts you on a like ban we'll be back after a quick break Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? 
Join us on the Make More podcast as our host Matt Heslin brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together, they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Yeah, and they do that for anything. Just so you guys know, Instagram is constantly updating their algorithms. It's so frustrating because even this past weekend, I went and ended up erasing or not erasing, but unfollowing a ton of pages I was following that just aren't in alignment with me anymore. And I mean, I dropped like half the people I was following. I just went through them like, you know what? Do the do their post spark joy, like Marie Kondo, that crap, right? Yeah. <laughs> and when I saw that, um, you know, they didn't. I'm like, yeah, why am I following them? So I was unfollowing and I noticed that since I did this, this was like on Friday, they have literally showed my last couple posts, you guys, to like a fraction of a percent. It's so frustrating. Yeah. And especially if you are a business and you're looking to grow your business. So it's important that you ensure, you know, exactly what you're doing and you're not overdoing things. And if you do, you take, you take your time, you stop and you don't just anger Instagram because what they call it is a shadow ban. They mm -hmm. also do it. If someone likes a bunch of pictures, if you follow a bunch of people, um, obviously if you unfollow, which is what I did, I unfollowed a bunch of business pages and individuals that just weren't in alignment with me any longer. And they stopped. And I mean, it does drop after some time. So I'm sure in the next couple of days, it'll be fine, but it's just so frustrating that they're doing it. And I understand why though, because people are buying fake likes, people are yeah. buying fake followers. So they're trying to crack down on that. And they're trying to stop even people who are doing things the honest way. They're trying to stop them because they think it could potentially be a butt. So if they see you mm -hmm. following a lot of people in a short amount of time or liking a bunch of posts, even though it was Rachel probably on her couch going through and liking yeah. stuff, they're going to be like potentially a butt out somewhere. I'm going to stop you right now. So yeah. they'll give you a warning message. I haven't gotten any warning messages yet, but I can definitely see even my hashtag reach has gone way down where yeah. I used to get over a thousand um, people that will find each picture just through hashtags alone, literally up until last week. And now it's gone down to like seven people that would see it. And I'm like, are you serious, Instagram? So they're doing the most right now. So pay attention and ensure you're not doing anything shady. And even if you're doing something legit, that you're not doing it in access because Instagram would definitely pick up on that, guys. <laughs> Okay, I'd like to intersect really quickly once more just to provide some clarity in case there was someone a bit confused with what I had mentioned. So with regards to my frustration, it had nothing to do with, you know, any lack of, you know, engagement on the part of the individual, whether that be likes or comments or whatever. I can care less about that. It was the lack of reach that Instagram gave the posts. And as a business owner, that can be detrimental when you're trying to sell something or when you're trying to drum up something to maybe grow your email list or something like that. So that's why I wanted to give this advice to not do anything in excess because you don't want to damage your reach. Screw all the other metrics. That's what matters the most because there are many people that are looking at your stuff that may not be interacting as well, right? But that's a topic for another day. But your reach is super important and that's what helps to grow your page. That's what helps to grow the value that you can provide your audience on a frequent basis. That was some good information you gave and I love that you shared that information about the followers because I'm sure that some type of version of that still works to this day because social media, especially Instagram, is all about engagement. We call it social media, but people aren't 
aren't there so you're on it so if mm-hmm. instagram sees you you know interacting with those of those people on there so you're commenting on the pictures maybe liking them you know maybe they're writing underneath your post and you're responding back to them instagram likes that and they mm-hmm. reward you by showing your posts to more people that's just what they do it's frustrating but they change all the time you just have to keep up or not and just don't worry about growing it which is fine <laughs> So one thing, I guess, and what's really great is you said you aren't, like I said, into that influencer thing. So what do you think about that? Because influencer marketing, I knew it was never a stable business model, right? But I saw so many people using that as their sole source of income. And now Instagram is actually going to stop the likes. They are already rolling it out in some parts of Canada. I see that a friend of mine um, who's in Canada, she can't see how many likes she gets on posts and she has tens of thousands of people that follow her, but she can only see like, oh, this person and this person liked your post. If she clicks on it, she can see the long list of people, but the mm-hmm. page itself and the photo isn't showing that. How do you think that's going to even affect these people who are you know, influencers on Instagram. Yeah, it's it's interesting what's going to happen if they do go ahead and roll that out um, across the board. I mean, when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, Instagram, no, you've gone too far. But then I realized and I thought about it. And I mean, my engagement's gone down. So it's actually like, you know what? I'm kind of on board with this. <laughs> um, because, you know, for me personally, again, I don't do a lot of influencer marketing. I don't care to. It's not really, if I get something, I get something, but I'm not actively chasing it, nor do I think it's a viable business model. At least, I mean, unless you have millions, then it's different. But it's, I think t- for me, Instagram's a part of something else. It's a tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think even the word influence, I guess it's how we're using it too, right? Because I know yeah. now everyone calls an influencer, you know, that person who wears the, no, um, what is it called? Fashion Nova or they're using the oh, yeah. tea and they're making money off their page that way. Um, but there are so many ways that your influence on social can get you other things. Like for instance, with all these opportunities that came to you that you were talking about, like the hotel reaching out and, you know, yeah. writing those things for the Bermudian and the amazing opportunities came as a result of your Instagram and the look of it and the following and all of that. So it definitely has its place, but yeah, you can't depend on that. I don't think you cannot depend on that solely for any source of income. Okay, so I want to intersect once more, and it just started raining, so hopefully it isn't too distracting in the background. But what I wanted to say is twofold. One is when I said it isn't something you could depend on, I'm talking about the sponsorship deals or the things that you're requiring a third party to participate in in order to support you based on your interaction and your engagement and things like that on Instagram. That's what I was referring to. Social media definitely has its place when it comes to selling for your business. And in fact, it's a great marketplace. Should it be the only source? of you know connection to your audience hacks no (laughs) you should always have multiple ways that you can connect your audience because social media isn't dependable right even rihanna got kicked off at one point um on instagram because someone had reported her page and all that kind of stuff and you know instagram grows goes down it crashes with whatsapp and all the other pieces facebook like it's not dependable and also you don't own it so 100 you need to have other means to do it but it does have its place because If you have a large audience and you have your own products or services, if you aren't able to sell to that audience, you're doing something wrong. That's not influencer marketing. That's being a businesswoman, right? So that's not what I was referring to. And the other thing I wanted to touch on, the second fold of this, is that Instagram is saying that the reason they're removing these likes and, you know, all of that is because people are too focused on the likes and they want them to just post and, you know, it to be back to the authentic way that used to interact. You can still double tap the images and you can, you know, show the person you liked it or whatever. 
whatever. But it's not going to show how many people have liked the photo. It's BS. Okay. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Instagram is Facebook and Facebook is a large multi-billion dollar business. So they're not doing it while they like to make it seem like it's about mental health and it's about, you know, all of these things. It would be great if it was, but it's not. Let's be honest. What's happening is they see one influencers, quote unquote, and they also see a lot of business owners making money with the products or services without paying them anything. Because even without paying for an Instagram ad or Facebook ad or whatever, they're one and the same, right? Without paying for that ad, people are getting millions and millions and millions of dollars through their biz- for their business, I should say, as a result of getting people to swipe up, as a result of people to get them to click the link in their bio, as a result of them building a connection with their audience and moving them onto a different platform or moving them onto their email list or you know to text message or subscription or whatever it is so as much as they'd like everyone to believe that it's a result of you know them trying to do what's right for the sanity of the people businesses do things for their shareholders and the shareholders would love to see more of that income that the influencers are making so I would say watch this space I truly do believe that Instagram is going to start pushing or they're going to start minimizing, I should say, the the engagement, which a lot of people have already noticed. But they're going to start minimizing the engagement, but more importantly, the reach, because they're going to try to force businesses particularly, so those who have business pages or those who have personal pages that they see they're using them like business pages, they're going to start forcing you to pay for ads. That's what it's all about. Like I said, watch this space. So I have another question for you. Because so many people, I'm sure, think it's so easy to just curate pictures. They're probably like, oh, wow, really difficult life, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Spend two hours doing something and then you spend your day taking photos. But I know, because I modeled as well, I know it wow. isn't as simple as that sounds. So can you tell me, you know, what, have you had any difficulties taking pictures or like what, what do you wish people knew about that side of Instagram? Like trying to get that perfect photo, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. It takes, it takes a lot of investment on a number of different levels to kind of curate content on this level. So, I mean, for me personally, I've never, since I started curating, I don't think I've ever posted one iPhone photo. Oh, wow. All of my photos are done on um, DSLR cameras or drones or GoPros or it, none of it's, uh, I mean, I'm not saying, I mean, the iPhone 10 now, I mean, now iPhones are absolutely incredible. And, and the um, quality of camera phones now is a lot different than what, you know, a couple years ago and a lot better. Um, but if you're going to do, I mean, lead with your content, you have to make sure your content is perfect. So learn how to compose a photo, learn about the rule of thirds, sign up to something like Skillshare or even just YouTube, just learn about how to take a good photograph. And that will kind of blossom from there. Study other photographs. You'll see, you know, the rule of thirds of where things should line up, learn some editing so that that your photos look professional. People are going to want to follow that high quality. If, you, if you're if you putting yourself out there as somebody who wants to do high quality stuff, then you have to do it. If you're doing raw and like that's your vibe, like do it. Like if that's your, like what speaks to you, do what speaks to you, but still keep a consistent, tight theme. So mine is sort of, I do a lot of travel, but I also pretty much all my photos have the ocean in it mm-hmm. um, or water of some kind. And that's just something that really speaks to me and has always spoken to me in photographs. And I like my photos really blue. So yeah, just really kind of, and it, it don't think that if you're starting out, you have to have your theme like nailed down, have, play with it, figure out what you want to say, how you want to use it. And also it's going to evolve and become fluid as you continue as well. But always, always think of it 
as a professional thing. Think of it as a business. Think of it. This is not your personal Facebook page where you're just uploading every photo you take. Yeah, uh, your picture of your cat. You're like, hey guys. Unless, yes. of course, th- that you have that personal brand, right? And mm-hmm. so I really love that. And it's important that people understand when someone scrolls on their timeline, there's just so many things they see. Mm-hmm. And when they see something that is well put together, that does look like, you know, the person knows what they're doing. It's high quality. The picture has gorgeous colors. It just pops. It's something that's going to make them stop their scroll. And if they aren't following, they may begin to look through the feed and see if it's Uh something feed. That's the word I was looking for earlier. I think I called it like a timeline. No, your feed. (laughs) Your feed when they go on your bio area. So yeah, going on there and they may follow you as a result of that. But like you said, it does show quality, which is super important. And it's what separates those who are running businesses, just running businesses from those who are running businesses that people want to buy from. Those that, because it, creates that subliminal message like, oh, this person really puts effort into what it is that they do. So whether you have, you know, products or services, that's going to trinkle into that as well, because they, they're going to say, oh, well, he takes her time to put this together. Of course, she's going to take that same time to do what it is that she promises to deliver me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Agree. And what about like the raw image? Because I know, you know, that is, it does seem to be coming back, right? Because everybody's feed is so quote unquote perfect. A lot of them are beginning to get really curated. What about those raw images that seem to be doing really well now? Yeah, I think it's, if that's your thing and that's your feet, I say go for it. There's a lot of, there are a lot of copycats out there. And, you know, if you're starting out again, like maybe start to emulate images and, and stuff. But I personally, like my stuff, I don't consider it to be staged. I hate staging photographs. That's why I do bathing suits and beaches because all you need is a bikini and you can shake out your dirty mm-hmm. hair and <laughs> you look great on the beach and then the looking away shots. But I think a lot of people, and I think this is also why Instagram is taking away viewing the likes is because they want to go back to more authentic content, content that people can engage with. So I, I like to put a lot of raw stuff on my stories um, because I, I do like to keep my feet a certain kind of level and standard. Sometimes I may put in a carousel, you know, if I'm taking a photo and I had a fail while doing it, I'll put that in the carousel so you can swipe, swipe through and see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, you know, a lot of time on social media, people, even though they don't know you, they do want to feel like they, like you're their friend. So that's where some like the more of a raw aspect comes in rather than you're some unattainable aspirational fantasy that, you know, no one can ever hope to to be. It's just not relatable. Also become, even if you have like a really like curated, beautiful photograph, like you can have a bit more fun in like your captions. So that's a way if, you know, the raw images don't work for you, but you want to kind of inject some more of you and some personality, like you do it with the captions. I agree. And like you said, you know, if that is your brand, then by all means go for it. Because I know it can also be something that helps you stand out depending on your industry. So Uh for instance, I have a friend who has a page with, which is all food related, right? It's all about beautiful food. However, most of those pages are highly processed. They have, you know, the brightness turned on a hundred. They're using a ton of lights and she tends to use natural lighting. She uses her phone and she does all of these things that are usually like no-nos, but those are the ones that people are now interacting with because it's real and they feel they can turn around and create that meal as well. So don't always feel, and I'm talking to those who are listening, like don't feel like you need to have 
perfection in order to move forward because your brand may not require it. In fact, most people aren't looking for perfection, you know? So that's why Rachel said you can incorporate the raw images. You can incorporate the carousel. You can incorporate what it is that you think is going to resonate with your audience, you know, in the caption itself. I personally have done a bunch of Instagram versus reality posts. Um, I started doing them last year and I see people are starting to catch on to that as well. And I love doing them because people think that things are as they appear on Instagram. Like I literally went to a pharmacy at one of the posts and pulled a t-shirt off of something, put it down, put a mug that I got in the pharmacy down with the, with like a, I think it was a magazine and something else. And it literally looked like this plush white bed linen crumbled up with me laying on the bed, enjoying a calm day. And then I took a picture from a distance where you see all the crap in the background, which is the pharmacy. So mm. it's so easy to curate fake things online, you guys. So don't feel like you're looking at Instagram and you're like, oh my God, I can't do this. If someone's page makes you feel like that, then just unfollow. It's fine. Just don't all unfollow them all at the same time because then you may be screwed. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram may stop you. So Rachel, I know you self-published a book last year, which I'm super excited about. In fact, I was at her signing and I saw her in person doing it. So exciting. So what drove you to self-publish? I know we had the conversation before, but I'd love for you to share that with the audience. I think they'd get a lot out of that. Yeah. So um, when I was writing, it was always my vision to traditionally publish, preferably, you know, like big five, HarperCollins, we're going to have a big deal. It's going to be like movie rights, you know, the whole shebang. (laughs) And then I just kept, I mean, I, I spent years, years pitching to agents, every agent I could find that might be interested and I couldn't land one. So then I pretty much gave up. And that's when I issued the challenge. If I can hit 10,000 followers on Instagram, I will self-publish because now I've built an author platform that I, that's something I didn't have before. So, um, I just kind of put myself in a better position emotionally and mentally to publish, to self-publish. And it was actually a super empowering process. Trying to get traditionally published was pretty soul crushing of just, you know, you put years of you poured yourself, your soul, your, you bled on this page, page after page for years. And then just to have people just say, no, you're not good enough. No, I don't like it. No, no, no. Traditional publishing guys, definitely. It grows a thick, thick skin. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't go into publishing if you don't want to be rejected. I mean, JK Rowland was rejected 12 times for Harry Potter. And even recently she, um, well, when I say recently, in the last couple of years, she went back and she did a pet, a pen name. She went, under, I forget the name it was, it was a gentleman's name, a man's name. And she went under a pen name just to see like what editors and what, you know, agents and things like that she can get. And one person, like people were rejecting it as expected because that's what happens as long as they can't tell it's actually JK Rowling because they'll probably drop everything because she's the author of Harry Potter. And when she did this, one of the people actually suggested that she go to a writing um, class to get any real chance of actually making it in this world. And I can only imagine if she wasn't JK Roland, who had already made a billion dollars on a Harry Potter series, how that could have crushed her hopes to even go forward. So I think it's amazing that you still push through. You're like, okay, you know what? Well, I'm going to give myself another chance at this. And also understanding that, you know, if someone's not putting you on, then you put yourself on and you can do that through self-publishing. And I self-published my first book. I'm actually traditionally publishing my second. So I have an agent Thank you. So I do have an agent, but I got her in November, but I know the rejection phase and Mm -hmm. I know 
even the self-publishing phase and they both have their pros and they have their cons, right? So I just love that you were saying to yourself, like, you know what? Okay, that sucked. That was so crushing. And I'm going to try to give this one more shot because you knew that you had something to say. You have that book out there mm-hmm. called Runaways, guys, and I'll link it down in the show notes, but let you, t- let you tell us about it. Yeah. So Runaways is the story of young Harper Rodriguez, who is Canadian. She dreams of becoming a travel photographer, but she gave up that dream um, years prior to the story beginning when her sister, her older sister passed away and she decided, and her sister passed away while traveling. So she put her travel dreams aside and on hold indefinitely to kind of live a safe life. And then her safe life just kind of came crashing down one day when she lost her job, her apartment, her boyfriend. And then she kind of drowned her sorrows in a bottle of tequila with her best friend who was all set to go traveling the world and realized that she drunkenly booked the plane ticket to join them. Um, So it's about her journey. It's both, you know, an emotional journey and physical journey um, around the world of her trying to win a travel uh, photography competition um, and all the kind of ups and downs along the way, as well as kind of reconciling, leaving her family and making her family, her parents kind of maybe revisit a lot of the emotions that happened when her older sister left and never came back and um, friendship and love. And it's very kind of a millennial. She's 25 years old, fresh out of university, first job. It's kind of like, now what? Now I'm an adult. Now I've got everything sorted out. And life is like, yeah, no, that's cute. <laughs> exactly. And I always think it's so amazing what fictional authors can produce. Cause like I write nonfiction. So for me, it's like drawing on knowledge, drawing on experience, you know, and fictional authors are literally pulling together entire worlds and scenarios sometimes, and you know, their own characters and building, it just takes such a different level of commitment and creativity. And I think it's amazing. How did you even find the inspiration to do that? It was I, it was always my goal or dream ever since I was little that I was going to write a book one day. I did one day when I was a child try and write an encyclopedia and I kind of gave up pretty quickly. <laughs> um, and so I, don't know, I just, I never really thought I was going to end up writing fiction because I don't, I don't know, I never really liked, English was not my like favorite subject in school, particularly literature. Um, but then I just kind of woke up one day and I was bored and I wanted to write about my travels. And then when I started writing about them as if as a journal, it was kind of boring. And then so I was like, okay, why don't we just kind of turn it into fiction and make up some characters and let them run and run around in the world that I had just come from. And then I just downloaded a whole bunch of books and I was like, wow, I'm in way over my head. Uh, and just learned the, and taught myself how to write fiction, how stories are structured. Yeah, just it's, it's an art. It's a science. If you want to write fiction, you have to learn how to do it. You can break the rules way later on, but you got to learn the rules first. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you've repeated that message over and over again in different ways. So hopefully you guys caught that. And that is that you have to learn whatever it is that you want to learn to do. You have to master it. So she mentioned doing your research. She mentioned talking to a friend over coffee. She mentioned using Skillshare and going on YouTube and Googling what you have to Google. And in this case, she's talking about learning the art of writing. And no matter what it is that you go out and do, you definitely want to ensure that you're doing your background checks, you're doing your research and making sure that you're putting out the best version of that thing that you possibly can. So I loved that. So Rachel, with all of these things, so people would see the beautiful pictures, you know, the gorgeous face, the growing page, the awesome book. What would you say has been your biggest challenge or what's taught you the biggest 
lasting in your life? Because some people would see all of those things and think that it was peaky, you know, for you up until this point. Uh, Gosh. Oh, the biggest teacher has been failure. Just constant, <laughs> constant failure. And then, but still just deciding that I'm, I'm not going to live in this, in this place. This is just part of the process. Mm-hmm. I mean, I tried, I mean, you know, I was told when I was younger and I wanted to get into modeling. No, you're not going to be a model. You're too short. And I was like, mm, okay, I'll show watch you. Me. Yeah. Like watch yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Watch me. Um, and then um, when I wanted to go do, actually, I tried to go be like a travel Instagram, a YouTuber back in my first shot was back in 2015. And so I took off to South America and had my computer and my camera. And I was like, going to start this vlog and be this famous YouTuber. And then within the first week, my computer stopped working. (laughs) And then my computer started working again, three weeks later. Uh, And then a week after that, I broke my camera. Oh my goodness. I was like, this is just not going to work. And I just didn't know. And I, I still had my, my phone. I mm-hmm. took some photos, but I still just didn't know what I was doing. I never really, I never researched how to grow, how to properly edit videos. I never learned how to do it. So I just pretty much just gave it a shot by just stabbing in the dark um, and then gave up. And then, so I was better equipped the second time around. I learned from my mistakes that I made the first time. And so yeah, that's that. important. Yeah. And then also just from, from writing, just failing. I mean, I started pitching the, the first time I started pitching my novel, um, it was rejection, rejection, rejection. Then I realized all like what everyone was saying was kind of the same. And I was like, oh my God, I need to completely gut and rewrite this whole thing. I mean, I cut a main character. When I, like I took this story down to the skeletons and I ripped it all apart. I turned, I, I again, got rid of one main character. Chunks of like where they go got taken out. So that rejection and that process made made the story a lot stronger. Yeah, and that's another last thing, guys. So Rachel's just dropping so many gems, right? So he keeps talking about the research that's important. And then she just mentioned learning from mistakes. So when she didn't do her research, she learned from that. And that's why she does the research now. And then she's taking useful feedback. So taking feedback from people who actually know what they're talking about, the agents, and she got it that book. And she did say that she self-published it. But that you know what? That doesn't eliminate her chances of getting it traditionally published, nor does it eliminate the chance for it to become that movie that she wanted it to be because think of like an EL game to the 50 shades of gray that was self-published initially so she was able to sell so many on her own that those houses that rejected her actually came back looking for her and Rachel because you have so much tenacity and you're like you know what screw you if you don't want to put me on I'm going to put myself on and I'm going to get this done they're going to come and kiss the ground you walked on they're going to be like Rachel we know we said this but we're sorry, okay? Because you're just putting in so much work and you're taking in that feedback, which is great. So you've taught us so much. So you you taught us that we need to research, right? You taught us that we need to learn from our mistakes, that we need to take in that useful feedback and dismiss the feedback that isn't useful, that we shouldn't be staging our life, right? That we need to be authentic and that we don't want to give up when things have you know, get a bit difficult to continue on and maybe to continue on and maybe it won't go the way that we thought it was going to go initially, but it's going to end up being even better and it's going to be reshaped. So you can get to that same destination 
even if it's not the way you saw it happening. So Rachel, you saw the traditional publishing route and now you're doing it the self-publishing route, which has so many perks in and of itself. So it's great that you've had that opportunity and either your next book, are you going to do a next book? Yeah, well, yeah. So I've been working on, I've been working on story. <laughs> I have like a first draft written, but I've just hit a bit of a block. So I'm going to write it in a different, I'm planning, I've been start, I started writing it in a different medium. I started writing the screenplay um, version of it so that I can hammer out some plot details so that I can go back later and put those plot details back into the novel version. So we'll see how that goes. No, I love that. So do you have any advice for anyone looking to grow a following through their social media or who want to write a book? Yeah, I mean, with writing a book, with with literally anything, it's again, um, learn. Learn how to do it. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Like, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to look silly because honestly, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. (laughs) No one cares like, we care, right? We think everybody's looking and we're the only ones paying attention. Exactly. And nobody cares. Um, so it's, you know, I think it was, um, so Brene Brown has this like amazing um, Netflix special that's that's on right now. So Brene Brown is, she's a, a vulnerability researcher and um, talks about making decisions, following your dream, the stories we tell ourselves. And, you know, she says something at the end along the lines of, you know, don't be afraid. Don't listen to the people in the stands who don't have the you know the balls the courage to even set foot on the stage you know to be a critic Mm -hmm. but it's hard to get on that stage and put yourself out there to criticism and a lot of the time those people who are criticizing are really like if they say oh you you're not good enough you're not gonna make it a lot of the times they're just telling you their story because they have failed and they never pick themselves back up again Yep. They're usually terrified. And the analogy I tend to use is you're, they're on the sidelines and you're actually in the game, right? Which is the same scenario where you're on the stage and they're in the audience. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when they see people pursuing dreams, whether it's their dreams or just their own dream, um, whether dreams they have, I should say, or their own dreams, they still get fearful because they, that's when it's highlighted to them that they're stuck. And when they feel like they're stuck, that's when they point fingers or that's when they try to tell you what you cannot do, but you really cannot pay attention to the people who aren't doing the things. If they're not doing what you want to do, if they aren't or haven't done what it is that you want to do or doing it currently, then do they deserve any of your any of your attention? Are they, you know, anybody of importance? Are they paying your bills? If you answered no to any of those, uh-huh. then they're probably just not people you need to listen to. You need to pay attention to the ones who have done it before. So that's excellent advice, Rachel. So one more question for you, and that is, what does freedom mean to you? Freedom to me means just feeling authentic, like you are living the life you were meant to live. And that could look any way, like that's different for each person. So for me to kind of wake up and be like, what am I going to do today? And I can do what I want and be happy with that. That is freedom. Yes, I love that. Thank you so much, Rachel. I think you dropped so many gems, not just on curating the perfect Instagram feed or feed for your business, but even the information of the behind the scenes of the book world, which a lot of people may not have known, and these gems about persistence, about tenacity, about the importance of research, about you know taking in meaningful feedback. 
and all those things you taught us about authenticity, I think it's going to be so valuable for the listeners. So I'm super grateful for that. Guys, her book, Runaways, like I said, I'm going to link it below. It's available on Amazon. So I'll definitely be putting the links in the show notes. And you should follow her on Instagram as well at Rachel Sodden. And I'll be linking that below as well. And I want to say Runaways has an Instagram page as well, correct? Yes, it does. Please follow. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you so much, Rachel. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ginette. Okay, okay. I see you, Freedom Slayer. You stayed through to the end, which tells me that you likely enjoyed this episode. Listen, if you haven't already, do your sister a favor by heading on over to the iTunes store to leave a review for the podcast. It'll help others like you find a benefit from it. And look, it also helps with the rankings. Hashtag transparent AF. I appreciate you 